Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. It is the last day of a decade. Oh my gosh. Can you believe it? 2019 is over and we are starting 2020. In like just a few hours. Countdown to the new year is on. Are you doing anything exciting for New Year's Eve? I haven't thought about it yet. Really? I feel like I should. It's kind of a big deal, isn't it? I don't it's know. a big deal. We threw a party last year, but I think I'm going to try to get some other friends of ours to throw a party so I can go home early. <laughs> going home early is my jam. And when you have people at your house, you can go to your bedroom, but they're still there and it's still loud. And for some reason, I'm married a frat guy and he has a bunch of frat guy friends and they just play games until like two or three in the morning and i am not about that life i don't know how you married a frat guy but i don't either that's that's my biggest lesson from 2008 i don't know how i married a frat guy because i didn't i did not he did not no mine at least is not a douchey frat guy he's very kind and actually really quiet but he has the energy of a frat guy, and that is concerning. <laughs> Very concerning. <laughs> well, we're excited to do some reflection today and talk to you about the lessons we've had from 2019 and how that can impact you in your business and what it might mean in terms of preparing for these things if they're to come your way, or perhaps some suggestions we have for things to just include or keep top of mind as you start to grow your business. Because while a lot of them are not necessarily new, there was just something along the way this year that was like, oh, like we knew this was important, but it's really important. <laughs> well, and I was talking to Abby about this like an hour or so ago when we were working on a project and I was having to like read an article about code injection and where to put a pixel and header. And she was trying to figure out how to connect something over here. And we were like kind of knee deep in some technical logistics about something that's coming. And I kind of just stopped for a second and I was like, do you ever really think how much we have to learn as small business owners? Oh yeah. Not just the technical logistical side about literally how do websites work and tracking and conversion and connectivity and your email to this, that, and the other, like just that in and of itself is like one person's full-time job. But then we are also right doing all of these other things. So while these lessons that we're covering today are huge, like they're not like, I learned how to do this conversion tracking over here, um, which I think would be cool to share if we can actually remember anything that we learned technically this year. Yeah. But I just want to take a second Can you just like pat yourself on the back for a little bit about how incredible our brains are and how good at problem solving business owners are, whether they're big aha moment lessons or tiny little, oh, this is a lot easier than I thought. And I know how to master this now and everything in between. 
I'm really, really proud of us and of you for doing, just doing the work this year, no matter what that looked like for you. Don't give ourselves enough credit. I don't think not us personally, but all of us as a collective, as a creative business owner group, we are pretty incredible. Yeah. I am constantly blown away by what y'all are working on, what you're creating, but then also all the technical aspects. I mean, just to think a year ago, we had our first online summit and like all the technical aspects to set that up is bananas. But we're not even talking about that today. I mean, we are, but we aren't. We are talking about more lessons. So not necessarily technical things, but like overarching things that impact your business and perhaps things that we think you need to put a little more emphasis on. So the first one we've been talking about for months at this point, but I just want to reiterate a point (laughs) is that so often in this space, in this industry, you hear people talking about their results. You hear people talking about their revenue. You hear people talking about these top line numbers that I had a five-figure month. I had a six-figure launch. I'm a seven-figure business. You know. You know, right? And while those things are fantastic, I'm not dogging on revenue. I want you to make more money too. But ultimately, you're really only going to make the money if you're seeing profit and if you are seeing a bigger profit and you are focusing on margin, you are focusing on how to earn more above and beyond your expenses. You, the business owner, are able to make more money if that profit increases. Right. Your revenue, your profit. Revenue increasing does not mean you make more money, which is what I thought for a long time. Like I obviously knew like in my head, that's not how it works. But in my head, I was like, well, if our company makes more money, we're obviously then going to make more money. And that is not always the case. (laughs) Right. Because as your business grows, often to make more money, your business gets more complicated, which means more expenses, either in people or systems. And when those things start adding up, you can burn through cash quickly. And so we want you focused on the things that are going to keep that margin there and going to keep you focused on earning more of that profit. It might simply be an audit. It might simply be an opportunity for you to go through your profit and loss statement. If you don't have one, then we need to work on that. Go through and see on an annual and monthly basis, what are your top line costs? Like who are you paying in your business? What systems are you paying for? What systems are you utilizing? What are you paying for that you're not utilizing? Perhaps who is working for you that is really just doing things that you don't want to do, but perhaps isn't necessarily adding to your revenue. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But if you can go through and do a true audit of what is and isn't working in your business, you may quickly notice things that you can just cut without an issue. Yeah. Well, and this is why I think it's so crucial because you have so many more opportunities to see this, the sooner you do it. It doesn't matter if you're a tiny baby business. I want you constantly focused on profit. So in my side hustle, for instance, you guys know I make earrings. I sell them on my website, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Anytime, anytime I've looked at investing in something in my business, in that business. Now this is upgrading my Squarespace website to the advanced commerce plan. This was paying for Squarespace email campaigns, doing the basic plan, up being that plan to send more emails. This is purchasing Tailwind when it was on Black Friday to see if that would be beneficial. Shipping stuff, packaging stuff. It's all stuff like that, right? I did not make any decision, none, to invest in anything until I saw dollars were coming from that channel. And you can set this up the newer and fresher you are a lot easier than like if you're like knee deep in a lot of systems, you can still do it and it's still necessary. But for instance, I did not invest in Squarespace campaigns, which originally is $5 a month. I'm now spending $10 a month until I saw and I could prove to myself that I would make that money back. And so everywhere, everywhere and their mother has a free trial. So use those free trials to prove that that system or software will actually bring you in money. Okay. 
So I signed up for the free trial. I got to send three emails with that trial. So I made myself, if I do not make however much money, you know, that is $120 a year for to afford the basic plan in one of those emails or all of them collectively, I'm not going to do it. And I did. So I it made it very clear to me that it was worth it. But it's stuff like that that I'm saying for you to look at either before you invest or even after the fact, go back and trace those sales to see, did that software tool system person, whatever, actually bring in the dollars you think it's bringing? Yeah. And I think what'll help you moving forward is kind of our second lesson. So this isn't something we didn't understand before, but it was something that was kind of, I don't know, a little bit of a slap in the face as we attempted to grow our team perhaps faster than our revenue was growing. And because of that, we didn't always have our pin on the head for understanding where our break-even point is in our business. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, in any given month, you have set expenses and you have flexible expenses. And I don't think people always call them flexible. They probably have another technical term. But regardless, you have expenses that always stay the same. They're always the same amount every single month. And you're going to have expenses that perhaps are dependent on something. It could be as simple as dependent on how many hours a contractor for you works. Or it could be you pay a percentage, like say to your ads person, you pay a percentage of spend to pay them. You may have this as like a commission. You could have this as like how much you are spending on Facebook ads or another ad platform. Those are flexible expenses. So they're changing from month to month. What you need to understand and be very mindful of is at what point in your business are you breaking even so that you understand, okay, after I hit this point in the month, everything after that is cash. Because you might notice there is an issue if it's taking you till in the 25th of the month to hit your break-even point. This is specifically true for people who offer payments. So whether it's your service that's on a payment plan or you offer a membership. So a lot of people are enticed to do those because it's reoccurring revenue. It's a lower buy-in typically. And all of that's great. And I support all of those reasons. We have memberships and have used them throughout our business. But that specifically is something you need to understand that break-even point of stacking. So like it kind of goes into your next point, Abby, of you might be taking a short-term loss, but understanding where that break-even point is for a bigger gain. Yeah. So there's kind of two, there's two aspects of it. So the first one I'm talking about is if you're just looking at your monthly expenses, at what point in your month are you hitting the point that you have earned all the money necessary to pay for your expenses and thus everything after that is profit? Do you count your ownership pay as that expense? I would include a minimum, yeah. So like if you pay, you would like to pay yourself at least $1,500 a month, then you need to include that in your break-even point. Anything over that, you might be able to increase your owner pay, but I would definitely include your owner pay in your break-even point. Now, what Emily is referring to is perhaps when you are looking at return on investment for a particular person, software, or particularly advertising. I feel like advertising is the most likely time when you're going to run into this. So you input X number of dollars. You decide what your budget is. I'm going to put this much money out there. I can convert people at this rate, meaning I spend X number of dollars to get that conversion. Now I need to understand what is my break-even point for that. So there's times in our business where, like for instance, we've talked about Trello a lot, where our goal is not to make an income on that. Our goal is to break even on every sale. So as of right now, we're paying about $24 per purchase, which means we're making about $5 in revenue per person who comes in. But that means that we're spending money $24 at a time to earn $5. When you start to look at bigger programs, there may be a time where you intentionally choose to say, okay, I know people are more likely to come in on a payment plan. It is worth it to me to pay as much as 
2x what they're paying initially or 3x what they're paying in initially and have a short-term loss knowing that over the long term with that particular person, we're going to earn a 5x ROI, but it's going to take me 12 months to see that income. What that ends up creating in your business is what a lot of people call a burn rate. Okay. So you're burning X number of cash every single month, knowing you're going to hit a break-even point at some time in the future. And you can have stacking, which is even yet another thing that can become confusing where you know, okay, yes, I'm burning cash at this rate, but once I've acquired X number of members or X number of people paying me at a reoccurring rate per month, then I am going to hit a point where even though I'm losing money on the front end for these new people, I'm still earning well over that amount in profit on a monthly basis. And the reason why knowing this, I think is, it sounds really complicated and it's not the easiest thing to figure out. Definitely get assistance from your ads team or... <laughs> math smart people, right? But we knew this was a thing, but we hadn't really done the work in calculating it when we first started scaling up our ads for one of our funnels. So what it can do is it causes you to scale up faster than you literally have money for because you're seeing people buying and that's great. But if like Abby's saying, you're spending way more than what's coming in that first month, you're going to like burn out of all of that consistent. And so that was a huge lesson that we learned early on that we needed to remedy. Right. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing. So people will often get really hesitant and say, oh my God, this is not working because it's costing me twice as much to get a customer. But if the lifetime value of that customer is 5x what you're spending, and that's like, a shoe in, like it's actually that number and you're not just like pulling that out of thin air, right? then it's definitely worth it. This is how big companies work all the time. Yeah. Amazon made a choice a long time ago to say, we will burn cash all day long, knowing that we're going to hit a tipping point. Yeah. Right? So big business looks at this as an investment opportunity. For a small business, it can be an investment opportunity, but it also involves risk, okay? And you have to understand how much risk are you willing to take on, number one, and how much cash are you willing to lose on the short term to make this happen? So just as a quick example, I think some people might need a little bit of an illustration. Okay. So you are bringing people in and you're super pumped because they're opting into your webinar at $1.50, $2 a person. That is fucking fantastic. And you're like, yes, it is working. And they're getting to the sales page and you're converting above industry average of 2%. So you're like, shit, this is working. I'm so excited. But then you start to look at the numbers and you're noticing, okay, even though I'm getting a reasonable lead cost, and even though I'm converting above industry averages, my cost per conversion, i.e. cost per person buying is X dollars. For this example, I'm going to say 400. So it costs you $400 to bring in a new person that actually purchased while at the same time you're getting hundreds of new leads, which you can then convert later. But just on the short term, we're talking about this actual purchase. You spent $400 to get one person to buy, but they only paid you $200 today. Okay. So that's great because you know that they have 11 more payments of $200. So after two months, you will break even on that person and every payment after that is profit. But if you were to scale this and you're like, okay, I'm going to bring in 10 new conversions. They cost me $400 per conversion. So I'm going to spend $4,000 on ads, which is not like a crazy insane amount of money, right? I mean, maybe for some of you, but when you're talking about lead gen, this is not like a huge budget. 
$4,000. I'm going to bring in 10 new people. But if they all buy on your payment plan, you're only making $2,000 month one, which means you're going to have a $2,000 loss month one on that thing. So one, you either need to have a bunch of other revenue coming in from other places or be willing to burn that cash temporarily knowing you're going to make it up later. Because, and then what you have to be mindful of too, is if you do the same thing the next month, so you spend another 4,000 and only make two, you have a little bit of stacking happening now, but now you're like, you've spent eight and you've only made four and then you have to calculate for your stacking. So like, if you keep doing that every single month, you also need to figure out if I keep spending at the rate that I'm spending and this continues, what is then that break even point of all of this catching up with Because it could be, you know, after X number of members and I, I keep my spend rate the same, I'm going to start earning a profit right away. It doesn't always happen the first month. And so that that can be scary and it can make you want to back off. And trust me, I have backed off have done both. many times. <laughs> deep and backed off. Okay. I feel like I <laughs> over illustrated that point, but it's an important one. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Paid, And we know that some of you listening still get stressed out when it comes time to crunch the numbers, run the reports, and treat yourself. 
Want to know why you should make the switch to Gusto? With one login, you can manage payroll, employees, benefits, and HR in one place. Plus, all your employee info and deductions stay synced and up to date, which helps eliminate many of the common errors you're bound to make. Gusto also saves you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes on running payroll. Gusto automatically, yes, I said automatically, files and pays your payroll taxes, compiles and sends your W-2s and 1099s and submits new hire forms. Set it and forget it. Plus, they got big time benefits for small businesses. Gusto offers tailor-made options for your business, such as health insurance, 401k plans, and more. Don't believe it? Just Google them. People love Gusto. How often do you actually love your payroll provider? Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash strategy. Here's the deal. Most small businesses don't have an HR expert, but you don't need one to use Gusto. With great software and great service, you can focus on your business, not payroll or paperwork. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive, a limited-time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. All you got to do is go to gusto.com slash strategy. So let's talk about the next one. Yeah. So this other one, Abby kind of alluded to on our first lesson where we're focusing on profit. A bigger team doesn't always mean more revenue if you don't hire for growth roles. And I think, again, like we knew this, like, I don't think anyone necessarily assumes that like the more people you have, the more money you're going to make. I mean, maybe, but it's been illustrated to us more and more and more and more that if the team members that you have do not have some sort of measurable that affects you making money positively, then it's going to be expensive to run your business. Right. And now what we have learned is that we don't necessarily like or need or can afford really like truly with what we want to be doing and not doing in our business to have everyone on our team be like a sales measurable, right? Like this person makes us this much money and this person makes us money and this person, like sometimes that's just literally not possible. But what we want you to do is start to understand what does that person increase in your company that you maybe or another member of your team can turn into a sale, right? So like someone on our team, her measurable going into 2020 is going to be about engagement in our communities because we know that's a trickle-down effect of sales. And it might not be like a one-off, like she does this and then we make a dollar, but it's building up that trust, knowledge, us as an expert, et cetera, that we know eventually leads to sales. Right. So as you're starting out, We've done a lot of episodes about hiring. I definitely would go back and listen to some of those if that's something you're interested in. But I would ask you, is it more important that they take things off your plate so you can focus on sales? Or are you at the tipping point where you don't have any more bandwidth and you need someone to come in to help you with growth? And sometimes, or I should say most of the time, Hiring for growth roles is more expensive because they're usually more skilled. Yeah, unless you're doing commission only, which happens, but it's harder to find. Right. And even commission only, it might cost you more over time, but you're risking less up front. A really good episode for you guys to listen to is one of our recent ones with Jill Stanton from Screw the 9 to 5. She talks deeply about growth roles and it's really, really helpful. Yes. So this next one I added because... Everyone said this would be true, and I just did not understand why or how. Employees are way more expensive than we thought. Yeah. Like, way more expensive. Initially, I was like, oh, it's not that expensive to, like, make our company ready to hire an employee and to, like, offer a package to an employee and to increase a little bit of these benefits for an employee. None of that was, like, that was right on par with what I thought it would be. It was the cash flow that I was not expecting or thinking about that would be hit with an right. employee. Right. So one, 
go listen to us talking about hiring employees. We have a whole episode about this, our learnings from that and how it affected things. One of the major things that I didn't anticipate, I knew it was going to cost more. It does, it can cost, it really depends on your state, your tax levels and all of that, but it cost us about 20% more than we were paying them to have them as an employee. Granted, you are paying that so that you get to have more of their attention, have more of their time, have them focus, which is um, fantastic. But the part that I think was just unexpected was when we transitioned someone from a contractor to an employee, we transitioned how we were paying them. And so at one point, we basically had double um, because we were paying their old amount plus their new amount because one had a 45-day lag and the other one was immediate. And that was just, that was a lot when you're running a small business and having someone work for you full-time. Right. A lot of businesses rely on credit to play, pay contractors because of that delay, right? So you're able to like charge it and then you have an extra 30 days to pay it off. Please pay off your credit. So that's what we were doing for the longest time. Well, when you switch to an employee, they get paid how we get paid through our gusto system, which is out of our cash dollar bank. Right. And so it was us getting paid in cash and now one more person getting paid in cash. And then we double paid in one month. So it was just like, oh, shit. Okay. So I would have, now that I know that, if and when we do that again, we're going to have a much larger cushion because we are going to be set back in cash for the first, like, at least month or two. Right. It doesn't. It's just a lot to consider. It's just a lesson. It's not right or wrong. It's just something I want you to be aware of. Yeah. So I would definitely go back and listen to that if you're considering bringing on an employee in 2020. Now, this next one is not new. I feel like we talked about this last year, but... I think we haven't said the T word on the podcast in a long time. I know. We talked about this at the end of 2018, I believe, going into 2019. But now we're a year out and like having had this as part of our team, I'll tell you a couple of things. One, if you haven't read the book Traction, here we go again. It is so good, guys. Okay, to mention them, but no no matter how big or small your business is, seriously, game changer. P.S. You can go grab that at bossproject.com slash Amazon. It's in our shop over there where we have all of our favorite business and leadership books. But nonetheless, Traction, it really taught us a lot about structure for who we wanted on our team, yeah, how we wanted to run our meetings, and how we wanted to hold people accountable outside of the two of us. Now, I feel like a year later, we did so good the first quarter. And then we hit a road bump in the second quarter and had a really hard time knowing how to adjust what we needed to be looking at in our business and thus didn't and thus had a lot of things unanswered for a long period of time. But with some new reflection and with us actually taking the time to look at it, P.S. make the time because it's worth it. I feel like going into 2020, we have a much stronger grasp on how we need to be holding our team accountable and giving them feedback because this isn't about you micromanaging anyone. This is about having people come to the table with something that's going to move the needle in your business, whether that's revenue focused or not. Yeah. It's an amazing check-in. And so what we have learned, and this might be a takeaway for you guys, is really about two years ago, it got harder and harder for us to plan an entire year in advance. And so we would do like quarter one. And then like last year, we just didn't do anything after quarter one because like some roadblocks happened. We had to make some adjustments. And I felt like every day we were making a new decision, which is not healthy at all. It's exhausting on your brain. It's not safe for your business. You make decisions reactively. Like it's not good. Please don't be in that space. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing and like finding a happy medium for ourselves going into 2020 is we planned quarter one. We like looked at the year and kind of like talked about it, but didn't put anything on paper. We planned quarter one and that was it. And like maybe in the middle of quarter one, we'll be able to plan quarter two, like middle to end of Q1. And we're just going to let it be flexible based on what just happened. Now, what do we need to do? But in a still in a bigger picture, not tomorrow, 
but like within the next three months, set a game plan and follow that game plan. And then one thing that we did implement new for, for those meetings slash what we're planning on doing in Q1 that I personally think will be helpful for not only me, but for our team. We are a bigger company. You guys know that we have a lot of, pro- well, we have three products, right? We have a community, we have podcasts, we have a website, we have lots of stuff going on more than the average business. And so sometimes, at least how 2019 felt for me, is like my attention is divided all over the place. Therefore, nothing really gets my full attention. We're like launching this over here and working on the summit and doing this and then putting out this fire. And it was a lot. So we not only like trimmed a lot of fat for 2020, but truly trimmed a lot of fat and said no to a lot of things, put some stuff on the back burner, et cetera. But I created a three-star system that I'm giving various projects and goals throughout the year and throughout the quarter. Things that have a one star, two star, three star. Things that have three star are our full attention, like the most attention. We need to be checking in on them every single day. It's a three star for me and Abby and the team. And then there are things that are two stars and then there are things that are one stars. And so that is kind of our like measurable of if you have a question on what to focus on, use the star system and go to the thing that has three stars. And then the other things are just like secondary or like running in the background, right? So I think that will help filter. Yeah. And that is giving us the clarity to know, okay, yes, we want this thing to happen. But honestly, if we just keep doing what we're doing, it's going to happen. And so that means we need to have our focus over here. And so I specifically, when you're looking at the book traction, what would I implement? I would definitely look at the year planning tools. It's going to give you an opportunity to vision cast for five years out and then look at those rocks they're, they're essentially your priority. So if you've utilized our systems in the past and you have a clear idea of where you want to go over the next couple of quarters, you have a clear destination end of Q1, your rocks are how are you going to make that happen? Okay. And there's analytics attached to each of them, which you go over every single week in what he refers to as the level 10 meeting. Okay. And that level 10 meeting has a very specific structure. And if followed, whether you are running this business all by yourself, or you have a team of people that you're holding them accountable to, it's going to quickly give you an opportunity to skim over things that don't need your attention, put a red flag on things that are like on fire, you need to pay attention to this, and things that maybe like are happening, but you just have a small few things to pay attention to. Because if you're meeting your objectives, then you need to be paying attention to the things that are really off track. But this is going to allow you to not be so emotional about that decision making. It's really easy to log in to wherever your payments are and be like, oh my God, like we're so far off. And it's like, well, are you, or are you making this an emotional decision? And I, didn't we do an episode on traction here? Where we? Oh, yeah. I'm sure we did. I'm positive. For it. I'm pretty sure we broke down all of that. Okay. So a couple more things. Was this a lesson for you too, this next one? Oh, for sure. For sure. And I'll, and I'll tell you why here in a bit, but you, you, you start. Yeah. So I wrote getting unattached to results was way the F harder than I thought. This is something that has been said to us from a mentor of ours, a coach of ours. And it's something that we've seen a lot of our peers work through this previous year, right? Of Getting unattached to the results, not only that your business is doing, but our students too. And I never really thought if you would have asked me, like, not that like, I don't care, but like, does their lack of result or major result affect how you think about XYZ? I think at first glance, I would have been like, no, I know the program is great. They're going to take it. I know that everyone is going to like do with it what you will. That's totally fine. Or if you would ask me like, if this launch doesn't go as planned, no, like you can't control everything, blah, blah, blah. On the surface, I can be like, yeah, I totally see how it's separate. But in the thick of things, when stuff actually starts like not happening the way you think or want it to happen, or like one person gets slimy in the inbox or whatever, all of a sudden things really, really started adding up for me this year about like, oh, I'm sitting in a lot. I'm taking a lot of ownership for the way things are working out where I literally 
have no control over. Like none. Mm-hmm. Right. I wouldn't say I'm on the other side totally, literally at all. And I don't know if I ever will be, but I'm much more aware of the thought process that happens around it. Yeah. So I think for me, I have learned that what happens as in how many people buy, how our launch goes, what the conversions are like, I have had to learn that those results are not tied to my personal self-worth, okay? Because before, regardless if I consciously did it or not, if we saw a launch that didn't go as planned, even if this launch would have blown the socks off of someone else, based on our results in the past, I would have looked at this as like, well, then am I not showing up the way I need to be showing up? Am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I not serving my audience well? Am I, it like brings up all these questions of self doubt and not even necessarily imposter syndrome because it's not so much that I don't think I'm capable. It just all of a sudden makes you question if other people see value in you anymore, right? Right. And so what I have, had to do is separate business performance from my worth as an individual. Mm-hmm. And that meant shifting where I see value in myself. Right. And just because you make more money doesn't mean you are worth more as a person. Right. Well, and this is specifically hard for Enneagram threes, which I know a big bulk of our audience is. We truly like see value in our accomplishments and our goals and getting things checked off. And the way that we like to be seen in the world is as competitive people who do amazing things. And so something I saw from one of the very many Enneagram accounts that I follow that really, really hit home for me. And so what I'm trying to do is bring this conversation to the people who are really closest with me to try to shift some of the language that's used around me so I can then shift my way of thinking. So some Enneagram thing I saw was like, Enneagram threes, your friends will tell you, oh my God, like you're so amazing because you did X, Y, Z. You're so talented. You're so creative. And I hear these things often. This isn't a brag thing, but like, I truly have a lot of supportive friends, a lot of supportive family. And the way that they like show me love is like, how are you so crazy talented? You have this business and that business or, oh my gosh, you're rocking motherhood or, oh my gosh, whatever, right? It's always this big, shiny, flashy thing. What I didn't realize until I saw this put into words is that what I hear, what my subconscious tells me is when you say, oh my gosh, Emily, you're so amazingly talented. I hear, oh my gosh, I love the version of you that I have created in my head about you. So my head tells me that's not even a real version of me. That's the version that they have created of me based on my social media post or the way I show up to this party or the things that I talk about or whatever. And so however I'm choosing to present myself is now the story that they're telling themselves about me, but that's not the real me. And so it's really weird. I wouldn't call it imposter syndrome. I don't think that's what it is, but... It's a very weird, like I'm unattached to those like sentiments from other people because I don't think that that is reality. And so what that meme or Enneagram post told me to then say what you wish your friends said or what you need to tell your friends to say is, I love you for you. Thank you for showing up as you today. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you. know, the real version of you is why I'm friends with you, not because I think you're really awesome, talented, right? And so I'm trying to now have conversations with people in my life, like friends, family, whatever, to have them kind of follow up their accolades with something like that. So I can maybe retrain my way of thinking. It's hard. And it's worth doing the self work around because it really is all a mindset thing. And honestly, when you can learn to separate, I have noticed that actually things do better. You will naturally get better results because you're not imposing all these personal beliefs on your results. And thus you're making it what it is instead of what it's not. And so that you can show up better and be better and blah, blah, blah. I could get into it, but you get the point. Okay. So the next two things are personal. Yeah. And I think honestly, very related because they all happened around the same time. Yeah. 
And really, they're only things we went through, but... But you have some version in your life of the same thing. I'm sure there's something that will come up for you in this little tidbit of a section. So so you start. So 2019, specifically the first half of 2019, was a shit show in my childcare situation. We started out with really good four-day week childcare, and then unexpectedly, it disappeared. And then I had to find new childcare, and then I only got two-day-a-week childcare for 16 weeks. And then we unexpectedly got five-day-a-week childcare, and then there was another break, and then we got more childcare, and then drama happened at that childcare place. And then finally, now the dust has settled. Like, truly, the dust did not settle with our childcare from, was it March, the first childcare situation happened, all the way through, I would say, the middle of October, where it's like, okay, no, we're settled now. Everything is dying down. It's good. This is our new routine and our new normal. So for however many months that was, I was stressed the F out about childcare in various degrees. And I guess the lesson here, <laughs> the, the empathetic-ness of me is like, I do not understand people who have more than one kid or no childcare, like how you function. I don't, I don't understand it. I'm sure Abby remembers this. When the first unexpected childcare thing happened, I hopped on the phone and was Kim Kardashian ugly crying about what just happened because it was a weird situation anyways. And so I was upset, but it meant like as of the next morning, I would have no childcare. Yeah. And I'm a parent. I talk about this a lot and like, keep your shaming to yourself. I am not the parent who can be home full time with my kid all the time. I just can't. She would hate it. I would hate it. We would hate each other. We love each other now because she has outside of the home childcare. And so it was a really rude awakening for me about like, how long am I going to be alone with this child? When can I get some help? Okay, that means no work is getting done. Like all of these things just started flooding into my head and it, it messed me up. Yeah, it messed me up. I tried, you know, you try to be supportive of everybody. But like, truly, when stuff like that happens, I'm not a parent, but I get that your kid, I would assume for the majority of you, your kid <laughs> is more important to you than your job. Yeah, I hope so. That questionable, though. <laughs> and so when stuff like that happens, and you're, I, you have your priorities straight, but theoretically, like, it is a giant fucking distraction. Yep. Well, and regardless if they're more important to you or not, which I'm going to say that they are, they can't take care of themselves. So even if you're like, nope, I love my business more than my kid, like, fuck off. They cannot care for themselves. And so, especially when, like, my kid is two and a half, I have no option but to figure this out. There's literally no choice. Right. So, I mean... And it doesn't have to just be childcare, but anytime something that you see as a priority over your business, when something happens, you become distracted and you can't necessarily show up in the same way for your business. You can't necessarily get the same amount of stuff done. You can't, I mean, all the things. And this can happen for a variety of reasons. I know for me personally, it's happened pretty frequently with family members becoming ill. Whether that's a long drawn out process or quick, it's still a distraction. It's still your mind being elsewhere. It's still you not focusing. And by all means, you should be thinking about who you love and care about. But at the same time, it also, it does impact your business and it can in a really big way. And I mean, that's just the fact of the matter, right? Because we hear so often about like, you can't turn business off. And if you have a regular nine to five, that isn't your business. Shoot, I could be like, I mean, with childcare, that would be equally stressful because like, you can't just leave your leave your place of nine to five work if you don't have childcare for that long. But it's the same stuff, right? Where at least mentally there, you can check out. Yeah. And like, you can be home and you can be present with your people. But when you're a small business owner, and you're trying to figure it all out, Yeah. Well, and so for me, I equally had a distraction, but it wasn't a bad one though. These distractions can be good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, they're still a distraction. So I have been, I don't know how many times I've said on the podcast that I dreamt of the day that my husband would not have to leave for work every single morning and he could be home with me full time. 
And, you know, for a long time, I would joke that I wanted to retire him. Because in my mind, that meant we were making enough that he could just be a house daddy and feed me and do the laundry and take care of the children that we're still struggling to have. But that is a whole nother story. What it actually ended up meaning was getting to a point where he was ready and I was ready. And it was less about him quitting to just be there so much as quitting to pursue something he was super passionate about and have the ability to work from home alongside me and do his own thing. And while it was a super positive experience and super empowering, it also meant... Yeah, it's still stressful and it's still changing everything about my normal routine. I'm a routine girl, okay? You like a quiet house when you work, so... Oh, yeah, I do. And so having someone else around all the time um, was an adjustment. But he he left in July, which meant we're six months out now. We 100% have a routine now. Is it exactly the same every day? No. But we know how to give each other space. We know how to have our own time. And a lot of it comes down to communication. But it still meant that while I am present... And while I am working, there's still things that take priority in my head, you know, and things that are a distraction. And so, I mean, this is going to happen for literally everyone at some point, whether it's childcare, someone being around, someone getting sick, you going through something personally, like these things will come up. My question to you is, how will you react in that situation? Do you have systems in place so that your business can keep churning even if you do have to step away for a little bit? Do you have the ability to turn some stuff over to someone else to have them have your back? Do you know how to... I mean, not that it's always super healthy, but sometimes you frankly have to compartmentalize a little bit and be willing to set some stuff aside, even if it's just for a couple hours, so you can focus and you can get some stuff accomplished. Yeah. I would love to hear your lessons from 2019. So if you head on over to Instagram at Boss Project and send us a DM, whether you have one or three or 10, I want to hear them. And we'll be sharing like some of our favorite ones. We can like block out your name if if you want to be anonymous. But I want to hear like, what are the things that you learned this year? What are the major takeaways, big or small? So you can help other people like see them too, right? Just like this episode, I hope opened up your eyes to some things. And if you have some really exciting things coming up for 2020, I want to hear about that too. So make sure to head over to Instagram at Boss Project, hit us a DM. It's me and Abby who read and respond to every single one of those. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the -the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.